1: me. It was getting up and going to work. You know what I mean? It was putting one foot in front of the other. It was being a dad to my kids, even when when the last thing in the world I wanted to do was give anything of myself. It was going to church on Sunday morning, even when I didn't want to be with anybody.
0: You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. I am so grateful for those of you that are sharing episodes, rating, and reviewing the podcast because that helps other people find what they need as well. I'm so grateful for your partnership. Today's recommended resources are the No More Perfect Marriages book and the No More Perfect Marriages Home Edition Seminar. So our topic today on the podcast is marriage and my husband Mark is joining me and we are talking about how your past affects your marriage and in our No More Perfect Marriages book and our No More Perfect Marriages Home Edition Seminar, we talk about that as well, because our past, our upbringing, our experiences as a child are carried into our marriages. And so if you've never read our No More Perfect Marriages book, or you've never taken our No More Perfect Marriages seminar, make sure you check out the show notes so you can find a link to both of those resources. My guests today are Joe and Tara Buchanan. Joe and Tara are the voices behind the podcast known as Behind Our Smiles. It's a podcast on marriage where they talk openly about their journey. And they talk very openly about how their past has affected their marriage and how they've grown through that and beyond that. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Listen in. Well, Joe and Tara, it is so good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks Thank for you for us. having us.
2: Yeah,
0: we love uh, WCIC, and mm-hmm. it is a big part of our world. And every time we get yeah. in the car, it comes on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we've been
0: fans for for a lot of years. Yeah, ever since we moved to Central Illinois. Right, but I do. We do have a bit of a funny story, and that is: so I used to have a radio program on wcic mm-hmm. it was a um it was actually all over the u.s but wcic carried it carried it and actually mark is the one that has the radio on more than i do right i rarely do because i'm like a girl that gets in the car and i want to drive somewhere with no noise <laughs> but not me oh so he's got it going you yeah know?
2: i got it going
0: but one day he said Oh, Jill, that was really good. You know, you had a really good radio thing today. And I was like, really, what was it? And, you know, and he told me and he's like, have you ever heard yourself? And I'm like, <laughs> no, not very often. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to hear
3: themselves. <laughs> right.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. So today we are talking about all things marriage. And so a fun
3: place to start is how did you guys meet? So it was in youth group, and this was actually 1992. Yeah, and I was in youth group because I was 16, and Joe was one of those guys that was kind of still in youth group, mm. even though he wasn't in high school anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I had friends that were like just a little bit younger, so I would go with them and kind of help lead, you know, kind of help mm-hmm. uh, in that process. And I had a car and a driver's license, and Tara mm-hmm. needed to ride to and from church, so it kind of worked out perfect.
3: Yeah. So Joe was that guy that you kind of start having a crush on, even though you shouldn't, because he's too old for you. So I was kind of developing feelings for him going, this is mm-hmm. a safe crush. Nothing can happen here. And meanwhile, though, he was developing feelings for me. And yeah. later that summer, it just happened. And suddenly we kind of really fell for each other. And, I'm, and at, at some point that summer, I'm like, okay, this is kind of bad timing. I think this mm-hmm. guy's the one, but I'm 16. So it was kind of an uphill road from there. Yeah, She was
1: actually 15 when we met and her father referred to me as her man friend for a little while (laughs) when we first started dating because of the age difference, but we really did to the best of our ability, surrender it to God and really followed her parents leading on kind of what they felt comfortable with, uh, with us in the dating scene. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say probably the second or third time that Mm -hmm. I was at her house, I just kind of knew that this was the one, but it was going to be a while that we were going to have to really trust God with that process. But He was faithful.
3: Mm. Yeah, it worked mm. out for us, but we don't recommend it.
1: Yes.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
3: how how long did you end up dating?
2: For five for, yeah, years. Five years. Wow. And that was partly
3: because oh. my my parents kind of wanted me to finish college before I got married. That was kind of one way to honor them. Because trust me, we were finagling a way to get married sooner, <laughs> but we really did feel like we needed more time. To um, both grow up a little bit for Joe to heal, and so yeah, we. Mm. I graduated college in May, and three weeks later, I walked on the aisle. Wasted no time. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That's great. And yeah. then uh, tell us about your family.
1: So well, I'll, yeah. start with,
3: I'll start with the easy one. I'm the easy one. Um, so I grew up here in Illinois. Um, my parents had gotten saved about a month, a uh, year after I was born, and when they got saved, they got radically saved. So I was growing up in the church. I have two brothers. I mm. was. Um, the good girl, the straight A student didn't cause my my parents any worry at all. I was the one that was going to be okay until he came along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my parents are still married today. Um, they're married for 50, almost 54 years. And uh-huh. so they mm-hmm. have an incredible marriage, a um, credible example of marriage they, must, they were for us. So... Yeah, it's kind of boring, I guess you'd say. But well, I call
1: I call her family the Leave It to Beaver family, and I've nah. looked for skeletons and I can't find them. Um, her yeah. dad has her dad has since told me that I really grew his relationship with God when oh. I started dating Tara. I had long hair, three earrings. Uh, oh. I was in and out of uh, bands. Um, I was in love with Jesus, but still trying to figure out what it all all meant as far as life. Um, and I grew up in a completely opposite. I grew up in foster care. I experienced a lot of abuse. And when I met Tara, I didn't have a family. I had no parents. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, two different last names because when I was 10, I was adopted. And that situation also, uh, just was not a good situation. I ended up being disowned by that family. And so Mm -hmm. I was in the process of changing my name back to my birth name. And so her dad was convinced he had mm-hmm. seen me on America's Most Wanted at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it just was one of those situations where it should have never worked out, but God really did bless the effort. As they got the to know
3: him. They saw that he does have a heart of gold. You know what I mean, but I understand now that we're parents, and teenagers going, yeah, like guy says he doesn't have a family. That's usually
1: a red flag. A little tricky. Yes. Yeah.
3: Complicated. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, that's what i was saying. That's what I five year time of dating really was good for us to let some things get worked out.
1: Yeah. We oh. were intentional. Like we spent a lot of time with Tara's parents at her house because I knew I was old enough to understand at least that if Tara's parents loved her as much as I thought they did, that putting them, you know, helping to love them by putting them at ease was probably a good thing mm-hmm. where they wouldn't have to worry about where she was at or what she was doing, mm-hmm. and what I was up to. and Yeah. Things. But yeah, when yeah. I met her family, I'd never seen a family like that ever. And I was her, in fact, I think her parents were very concerned when later on in our dating years because they thought I was marrying wanted to marry into the family, into the healthy family. Like mm. uh, Tara's kind uh... of a consolation prize. <laughs> but it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. Tara, Tara was was the deal. But um it was Culture
2: shock. Yeah, it was culture shock for sure. Yeah, I I totally uh, I get that. Um, I grew up in traumatic childhood, not packaged the same, but lots of abuse and and violence. And when I met Jill, I was totally blown away by the way her family interacted. And I liked it, but it also made me uncomfortable.
0: Funny story, though. My my family was real touchy, feely like you know, huggy, huggy and kissy. I would when we would leave, I'd always kiss my mom and dad. And you know, Mark had never seen anything like that before. And um, and so we'd I don't know how long we'd been dating, but
2: not long enough. <laughs>
0: my dad went to, to hug Mark goodbye, like you know, he had come over and spent the day and and he was gonna give him a hug. And Mark goes, Don't kiss me. <laughs>
2: Don't kiss me. Don't, don't kiss, kiss me, me to my
0: dad. Like <laughs> he was totally freaked out that my dad was going to do something. He would be I, really uncomfortable with And my dad was like, I am not going to kiss you, Mark. It's okay. <laughs> I don't At know why. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yes, he did. In he fact, was a,
2: such a great man. And it ended up being on his deathbed that I was talking with him. And uh, I totally asked forgiveness for having ever said that. And he said, <laughs> There's no need for that, Mark. And I love bantering and uh, just razzing you about it. So you gave me something good to razz you about. and <laughs> he made every use. <laughs> that's.
0: Great. Oh, that's but, great.
2: But uh going back to the traumatic childhood, uh, I know that that totally influenced my marriage with Jill. Uh, how Joe did your trauma, impact your marriage?
1: Well, it, it showed up pretty much right away because even in our dating years, I was, I probably was testing Tara. I didn't realize that that's what I was up to, um, being a jerk at times to see if she'd stay with me Would she leave just like everyone else. Um, Uh it wasn't until much later that I realized that that's really what was happening. And, um, I also knew that her family didn't owe me anything. And so, for Tara, if I were to leave her life, her life would be fine. Right. In, in theory, she had, she had everything she needed where if she decided to break up with me or leave me, -hmm. that I would be in, in some decent trouble from the standpoint Mm -hmm. of, of not having anywhere to land. Um, so I think in the beginning it, it created a, a, culture shock of us not understanding each other, like not being able to relate well,
3: the, the testing part. Again, I think I mentioned that was, you know, a good student. So he like tested me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pass these tests because mm-hmm. you know, you're going to leave me, trust me, everybody else leaves me. Nothing works out the relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm going to be too difficult for you. And again, kind that my personality was like, okay, I'm, I'm up for a challenge. God, not realizing what that meant, but we kind of thought, okay, when we get married, right, that will prove to him that this is going to last. And this is for real. And yet we get married and he's, and he's still kind of almost worried, right. Going, but something can happen. So I think he didn't have that sense of we're going to be okay. Even with the, with the marriage license, he felt like it could fall apart.
1: Mm -hmm. I think when, when kids go through, when the parents don't stay together or the parents aren't there and, and I dealt with a lot of abandonment and neglect issues as well. And so I think, even though there's a piece of paper that says this is forever. And, and there was a uh, an element because yeah. the commitment was mm-hmm. there. There was a, uh, an element of um, my heart gave way a little bit in that process. Like she had more of my heart than she did mm-hmm. before, but also I knew that if she decided to leave, she had all the support she needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know if I it rationally evidence,
3: maybe, right. you know what I mean? Like right. I could talk someone into saying, you know,
1: right. So mm-hmm. I, I knew that I always, I walked around, like, it was always felt like borrowed time. Like oh, it was just a matter okay. of time. And yeah. this would, this would eventually fall apart. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that really affected us. It was probably really exhausting for Tara. Well,
3: again, he had the commitment, you know, we weren't like, he wasn't ever threatening to leave. Like it was just kind of like, I would kind of describe it now as like the six foot social distancing. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say six mm-hmm. feet away. Mm -hmm. You know, and as long as you're six feet away, we had a great friendship, we got along well enough, but like, if you had to get close, then it's like, whoa, what does this mean? If I become vulnerable and you find out who I really am, you won't like me. Oh, right. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: It was In the dating years and stuff, it's a lot easier because you don't have to be as vulnerable, right? You can mm-hmm. kind of put on a little bit of a front to some level or you can hide certain rooms in your house, if you will. And I think after we got married and all the rooms were open, that's when it really... Mm-hmm kind of got scary for me to understand that, okay, if she sees that room or, you know, if she, if I let her in on what really happened to me in that season of my life or what these people really did or what happened here, because also there was a part of, um, this process where I was still blaming myself for the things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so I still thought it was my fault. And so, first of all, I mean, it was hard because I love Tara. I never wanted to hurt her ever. And so I found myself hurting her by not allowing her in, if that makes yes. sense, mm-hmm. by stiff arming her to keep the distance on what I thought was safe for her and me and actually wasn't doing us any favors. No,
2: right,
0: no. right. And it, I mean, it's a form of protection, right? You were protecting mm-hmm. your heart because you had been wounded so deeply in mm-hmm. your multiple times. In right. your childhood. And and even in commitment, right? Because if you were adopted at age 10, that's a commitment. Right. And then that commitment ended up not working and not really being a commitment. Right. So then we take those experiences and we attach them to our adult relationships.
3: Mm-hmm. And the second part of that too was in that stiff arming too was the worry. And so that this is partly his personality. We talked about this quite a bit in our podcast but his level of being careful to protect me and protect my well-being but yes. lock the doors, is your purse by your side if you double check this is us this... and some of that stuff is really great i mm-hmm. mean here me. i'm not i'm a more careless with that kind of thing so his reminders yeah. were good but the emotional atmosphere was of anxiety right and yes don't do that because again something could happen to you tara like almost like just if i keep you in a room over here Right? Mm-hmm. You never leave the house, nothing will happen to you. And so we, that never happened, but that was the emotional right. feeling. Right. And so I think in me, I began to develop that little bit of, okay, I don't want to worry him anymore. I don't want him to worry, but it's hard for someone else to take out someone else's worry.
1: And oh, and how that right. would manifest itself is she would be invited to go somewhere at night or to go on a, a sketchier side of town or what I, you know, all those kinds of things that go through your head. And I would literally give her a hard time. I would literally mm. be like, why do you want to do that? Why would you do, you know, you need, and well, I don't feel mm.
3: comfortable with that. Right. So, And a lot of times I would just go like, okay. But sometimes I'm like, I really wanted to do this thing. And I don't want to disappoint my husband or cause trouble for him and have him worry about me. But I was hoping to do this thing. So I'd you know? be like,
1: I'll drive you. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. like, that's not what I was wanting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think it, it took us a while to kind of work through that. and chilled under- out a lot. Yeah, then. but to understand that I was, even in my protection of her, I was being way unfair, that I was pushing my anxiety and my fear on her. Mm-hmm. And and the exact thing that I was trying to do is protect her. I was actually doing the opposite. I was actually hurting her.
3: Back to that yeah. culture shock. For me, I I mean, I experienced hard things growing up. I suppose, but for me, things generally worked out. You know, even if right. my parents got a fight, they worked it out. Something bad mm-hmm. happened at school. I did okay. Like there were problems that you overcame. Those problems, and so for him, he's saying no, it doesn't work out. The fires do start. You do get broken into.
0: Mm-hmm. Like for me,
3: and my vision was. Nothing ever happens. You lock your door, but no one would break in. And he's over mm-hmm. here going, "No, they will break in. Trust me."
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, so it was really hard to understand his point of view there. I'm like, "It'll be fine." Sure.
1: Vice versa, right? <laughs> right. It'll be fine. Uh,
3: it always works out. How in the world
1: can you be so careless <laughs> and nonchalant about this? this like, will break right. in. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Yeah. So th-
1: that was a major learning curve for us.
2: But
3: oh yeah, my goodness, yeah. 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 We yeah. had to
2: navigate some of that. I'm I'm more loosey goosey with that as well. And I've had to make some adjustment for Jill
0: to feel secure,
2: to feel secure and for me to own my responsibilities. And so anyway, I totally get it. So how did this eventually change for you, Joe? What, what was that journey of healing? What'd that look like?
1: I appreciate that question. I, I, at number one time, um, relationship with Jesus, big, big part of that. I think mm-hmm. uh, there's a growth process that happens. And in, in some of forgiveness, a huge part of my story, um, God just really was relentless in his pursuit of of me and why it was important to forgive. Um, I think the healing process also there, there are layer after layer after layer. And I used to like to think that I could, if, if I got to this layer that I would be all done, (laughs) the healing (laughs) is done (laughs) and, and, and then we're done. Mm -hmm. And I used to literally like, I would go around and speak at events and, and different places and different things to share my testimony. And it really wasn't, Hey, look what God has done. He's so amazing. Cause it was amazing. It, will, it yeah. was,
3: I mean, it was amazing.
1: The fact yeah. that I could, could hold a marriage together yeah. and could have a family in spite of all of that. But what was happening is underneath the surface, I was uh, denying the fact that there was still work to be done, if mm-hmm. you will. And, and I really bought into this idea that, if I wasn't completely healed, then it somehow diminished the power of God. And so I kind of wrestled with that. And eventually what ended up happening is I had a an sticking op-
3: into your past. Yeah, yeah, I had
1: an opportunity uh to dig into my past. And I really wanted to know some answers to some things that were were going on. And so I went back to some of the more uh, places where some of the more hard things happened. And it really, I was very cocky in that season. Looking back, I like, I was like, I, I was healed and everything was to, done. I'm going to
3: just write the story right. and like figure it all out. And, and
1: I I'm big yeah. enough and strong enough to go deal with this stuff. And, and it, it wrecked me. It, mm. it wrecked me to a point that in all the, the abuse that I had sustained, all those sleepless nights, all those worry, uh, it just all this was like more than all of that it was like that all got stirred back up and then a whole lot more And mm. what ended up happening. It was about a two year journey really where, I mean, it was hard to get out of bed in the morning. It was hard to just work through that season, but mm. what ended up, there's a couple of things that happened. One is God kind of taught me in that season that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a greater capacity to love the way that I wanted to and the way that he wanted me to, unless I walk through the journey of the healing process. Hmm. So that had to happen. So the, and I'm going to let Tara speak into what she saw as far as transformation in that season, but also, I had to come to a place where I had to realize that I wasn't enough on my own, that I wasn't mm-hmm. strong enough. And that this, we call it our, we call it my house of cards because I built this beautiful house of cards. And from the outside, it looks great. And look what God did. And this is an amazing thing. And in that season, God allowed that house of cards to kind of come crashing down. And um,
2: mm.
1: the greater capacity of love was a big part of that, but also, this idea of wanting to grow deeper in my relationship with God, it had kind of stalled out as well. And so through that process, I was able to understand, like I remember being on the radio because I've been doing radio for a long time. And I remember for like the very first time people were actually, I was actually relatable because what had mm. happened was up to that point, I was telling someone else's story. I was telling my story, but it was like it was someone else's. And all of a sudden, I began to share what God was doing. I began to share the authenticity of the real story mm. and began to realize that, number one, I wasn't alone. Uh, there's a lot more people hurting than we th- we tend to think that we're we're in it by ourselves. Right. Uh, and then I wanted to love people, but didn't know how. And so God kind of worked through that season to show me.
3: Well, in the context for that, it's just about eight years in. And so if we have two little kids at this point too. So like in my personal life, there were some things I was just adjusting to, to like, like just again, mothering and all that she has. And then suddenly my husband turns into a basket case in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I mean like, oh, but again, the prayer that I had prayed of going, I want to be close to him. I want more. I want less than six feet. It was like, well, if I want to get close, I can't put the, put the expectation of what you'll find and going, okay, I'm willing to walk into the mess with him. If this mm. is what I find again, if he's saying, I'm afraid of being seen. And i again, we had talked about his story plenty. So I knew the details and I knew the general feelings, but it was in a more raw state. And yes. for me to kind of mm-hmm. say, okay, what do I do now? This is the man I married. <laughs> mm-hmm. And again, he, could, he couldn't necessarily be a support to me in that stage. In the way I needed him emotionally. If physically you were providing for us and all that, but yeah emotionally to say, okay, this is this is my chance to figure out, you know, how does God want me to love him when he may not be have his act together, right? Mm.
1: Well wow. we didn't know we didn't know how long that because when we entered that season and it it wasn't something we agreed to, right? We didn't get to what mm-hmm. God and say. Hey, we're ready. <laughs> it, it was it yeah. was something that was thrust upon us, and it was my mm-hmm. own doing at the end. But it was coming either way. It mm-hmm. was inevitable. It was it was a brick wall we were heading for, whether I was going to acknowledge it or not. But mm. I think the prayer that we were praying all along was, how do we get closer? How do we have a better marriage? How do we get closer to God? How do we have better ministry? How do we love the people mm-hmm. around us? And we were missing the big picture. At least I was that it has to start here. Uh, and, and I have to be able to, to be in a place with God where I'm willing to grow and um and get healthy, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I think during that season when we didn't know how long any of this was going to last Tara's support. Like I would see her reading a book was like how to love a, a husband with trauma. You know, she's like doing mm-hmm. research to try to understand. And, and for me that, that did volumes to say, okay, this is her opportunity to leave. This is her opportunity to no. say, this isn't enough. Um, this is her opportunity where anyone with half a brain would have supported her. Right. Like, but yet (laughs) Mm -hmm. she dove in with, she rolled her sleeves up and she said, Joe, I'm getting in with you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, we're going to figure this out with God's help. And it was an amazing, I think
3: a lot of it is the expectations. I think like anyone get married, you feel like your husband's going to be such, you know, such and such a way or do such and such. And I think it was a good experience if you had those expectations crash down. I think it's a good thing just to go Mm -hmm. start start from the bottom. Like, okay, God, what is realistically, what is realistic to expect from my husband, right? And kind of get mm-hmm. a realistic picture of that. And we kind of, another thing we've said before is like accepting him as he is, like, this is what he is. This is what he carries. I mean, we can't go back and change time. You know, I have to say, and what if he never changes? What if he never necessarily gets his act together? You know what I mean? There's that element of going, some surrendering to God and say, okay, this is what I have to work with. And this is what we're going to Yes. Yes.
2: That that decision of surrender that doesn't come easy though, does it? Can oh. you talk about that a little bit?
3: Well, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's like first of all, too. Besides just accepting who he is, going, I can't change him. Mm-hmm. And even though I was a very good wife, like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, she was. I didn't. She you know, is. I didn't do anything bad. You know? <laughs> no, just kidding. But I was a good enough wife. But realizing. I think when I first started dating him, when you have that contrast of backgrounds, it was easy to see me as being the strong one. I could not save him, but my yeah. love would change him. And right. mm. Oh, aren't we, you know, and I think I was good, decent at loving him, but it was like, okay, this kind of love that he will need is not going to come from me. Yeah. It's right. Not, that's I don't not, have mm-hmm. quite enough. I don't have what it takes to love him. Yeah, I think that was the render part. Yeah. So that's special. So, (laughs) Hang
0: on just one second though, Tara, tell me, because, you know, this is a part of our story too. Mm -hmm. You know, when Mm -hmm. Mark went through his crisis 12 years ago, I mean, God taught me to love at a deeper Mm -hmm. level because I knew how to love somebody who was loving me back. Mm -hmm. But at that point he wasn't loving me back because he Mm -hmm. was incapable of it. He was lost. He was uh, knee deep in his own stuff. Um, and so God eventually took me to Romans 12, nine through 21. I call it the unhumanable love part of, of Romans. And it's unhumanable because you can't do that on your own. Like God has to do it. So when you think about what God taught you about loving practically, what did he teach you in that season? Hmm.
3: Well, I think it was funny you mentioned the Romans, because for me, I think the verse that I'd heard that I remember hearing it and saying, can I do this, was Romans 5, 8, which was while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, idea going that the mm-hmm. love comes first, not get your act together first, right? Oh, um, right. On a practical level, I think it was a lot of patience, right? And not making demands of him, right? Okay. Serving mm-hmm. him, um, thinking of him first. And I think that's a struggle we have till the end of time, like, what does he need today? And again, it's hard because in that season of life, you could compare our lives and maybe say that I had it harder. Because at this point, along the way, we get pregnant with our next child. We end up moving. And I feel like I had it a little bit harder than he did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is my job mm-hmm. at that point was really intense. So to say, not be self centered to say, but here's what you need to do for me versus, and not that you didn't help for, you weren't a wonderful husband, but just that right. paradigm shift.
1: But I think she thought I just, sat around and talked <laughs> on the radio all day, you know, that was kind of compared guy. to raising three kids. It's like, <laughs> but I think, um, and Tara, I'll, I'll speak for you and let you speak into this. Cause I've heard Tara share this before. And I, I think it's a really important point is that God actually was doing a work in Tara at the exact same time mm-hmm. that he was doing a work in me. Tara comes from the the quote unquote leave it to beaver family and she really has no problems, right? <laughs> Joe's the one with all the problems. And I think mm-hmm. our mindset ha- can <laughs> shift in that direction where it can get out of whack and and in balance. And there's a pride issue that can work its way in. And I don't yep. want to say that mm-hmm. my wife was prideful. Oh, you but can say it. But she has said it. So I don't <laughs> know you Well,
3: I think this was probably in the season after you started to heal that I think there was a feeling of going, I've been a very good wife to him, you know, and I know you could probably feel the same way in those seasons of your life going, I did the right thing. And I'm, and my wife's skills are, are on point five stars. And Mm -hmm. I'm understanding Joe's past and saying, you saw how much stuff he brought in. We can go into detail of that. Like clearly he has issues and clearly he brought the baggage in and I'm just over here being a good wife.
0: Yeah,
1: God, you owe me something. Right? <laughs> and
0: that's how pride yeah. sneaks in there, doesn't it? It's sneaky. Nice. It feels like you're kind of rationalizing it. and You're just stating the facts, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it sneaks in there and it it
3: becomes a place that can cause a rift
0: yeah, in your relationship.
3: Because as he was healing individually, we still have those relational issues, just the things that we were... Clashing on the regular stuff that every married couple fights about, the ever stuff you have to just work through. And me kind of always need to be right and kind of justifying it, going, Joe, it's your issue, it's your past, it's your issues, mm-hmm. and never ever kind of going, Am I, am I really wanting the best for him right now? Or am I wanting to be right?
0: Yes. And 99% of the
3: time it was. So I think it was in the years death of that that like God had a chance to pull me every couple of months to go see that was on you that was on you and you have to own it. Mm-hmm. You have to
1: that. <laughs> I, it was coming out of that season that we began to really see the gift that we was in that season. And mm-hmm. I think if anyone had asked us, we would have said, no, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what we'd want to do. And I think if God asked me now, I would say, no, even mm-hmm. looking back on what we gained through it because it was very, very difficult, but it was so worth it because As we came out of that season, we began to experience a closeness that we didn't even know existed, not only Mm. with the relationship with each other, but a relationship with God. And we began to see God start to move in ways that we couldn't even know how to dream. Right. We didn't know how even how to dream. I mean, I think for me, a successful marriage was we could say cordially a couple of words to each other and maybe have a place to live and raise a couple you of kids. You, grew right. up
3: seeing, you know, the mm-hmm. that's, well.
1: that's kind of where I was like, <laughs> that I thought that could be. And, and to understand that God's like, I got something much bigger in, in store if you'll just trust mm-hmm. me. Yeah, so I, I do, even though it's a lot of work on my end, Tara did a lot of work on her end to help me through that season, but also to say, okay God, what is what do I need to do? What do I need Mm -hmm. to do? And we began to ask the question. We drew a circle around ourselves and then worked on everybody in that circle.
3: But one of the things Mm. that we we realized looking back at that season that we had to work through was the idea of when is it your past? And when are you just being a jerk? You know, because I had this feeling like, he gets a pass. You know, he overreacts. (laughs) Uh, He's got a reason. It's the trauma. It's the this. And I overreact and freak out. Well, I'm just a jerk. (laughs) So one day I'm like, are you ever just a jerk? All right. Mm. Are you ever just a jerk? And he was able to like, Say
1: yes. Yes. Yeah. I, sometimes
3: he's just a jerk. Yeah. There's no asterisk next
1: to it. I'm like, it took you this long to figure that out. <laughs> but I think
3: mean, yeah, that habit of feeling like, you know what? We're both capable of sinning. We, we don't right. have right. a monopoly and holiness. Yeah. Pastor, no yeah. past. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. that's so
0: true. Yeah. So, Joe, talk a little bit about you said I was doing the work. I was doing the work. I was doing the work. What did that work look like? Were you in counseling? Were you, um, in a Bible study, were you, I mean, I know you were doing a lot of, uh, kind of going through your memories and, and all of that, but what, what did that work look like?
1: That's a really good question. And we probably should have been in counseling. Mm-hmm. We should and have been. honestly, it's like we said earlier with dating, we wouldn't recommend it to anybody. We would now recommend anybody go through this without counseling. Uh, part of my past story is that um, my adoptive mom had a psychology degree. And so oh. there was some abusive counseling involved in my, my story. And so to thought about counseling, what really felt dangerous, it felt very, very dangerous, especially mm-hmm. with how where we were. And so we, we elected not to go that route, but I did have a couple of accountability partners, uh, a couple of friends like that. And then Tara also, we just, we really leaned in each other. We leaned into the word. We really mm-hmm. got into spending time with God that looked different all the time from worship to reading to just saying, God, what the heck, what are we doing here? Help us. Right. We, need, we need your help with the very next step. And coming to the, the idea that it was the end of us, that we, I, I cannot be, the husband that I want to be on my own. I can't do it. I, I am not, I just don't have that capability. And so God, I need you. I cannot be the father I want to be. So I need you. So there's a lot of reading, a lot of reading together, a lot of um, really trusted source, you know, resources of that we trusted. Um,
3: I think, I think that doing the work maybe is not settling for the easy answers, right? Mm -hmm. The easy answer is it's my past, right? Hard answers, wait a minute, what's going on? What's really going on? And that patience. And again, it's not easy when you're digging into those things of when you say and when I say, and but you, but I, but I wonder, I worry, I fear. I, you know, I all those feeling words that take a while. So I think Mm -hmm. we didn't shy from long, long conversations when we felt that tension saying, Mm -hmm. What's the tension here? Like where, where's the rub? Why can't we get through this and just being patient? To have those long conversations. Yeah.
1: And we pull back layers that we, there were answers I knew I knew that I didn't know. This is what I mm-hmm. thought it was. I knew that I knew that it was this and it wasn't that. And it's also, you know, I, and for everybody it's a little bit different for me it was getting up and going to work. You know what I mean? It was putting one foot in front of the other. It was being a dad to my kids even when when the last thing in the world I wanted to do was give anything of myself. It was going to church on Sunday morning even when I didn't want to be with anybody. Mm-hmm. It was trusting God with that process of saying, "Okay, one of the things that I learned greatly through that season was I don't have have to have and i'm going to say it like this this is not how eloquently i had to figured out but i'm not i don't have to worry about the next 10 steps all I need mm-hmm. to do is, is, is be concerned with the next step. God, where is the next step? Mm-hmm.
3: And I had
1: to learn that I, I tried to control everything early on because I felt like if I can control everything, I could keep bad things from happening, or I could keep, I could save yes. this or, or do that. And I think I had to come to this idea that if the three steps from now are going to be catastrophic, I got to trust mm-hmm. God with that at that time, but worrying about it now, uh, I think it was Charles Stanley said, worry is interest paid on a loan we'll never have. Yeah. So I, oh, that's cool. I decided in that season that, and it wasn't really my decision. It was God working in me that I couldn't pay interest on loans anymore that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I had nice. to work with this step and only this step and let the next step kind of worry about itself. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, no it was a lot of intentionality. A lot of was, intentionality. Yes, that's what I'm yeah.
0: hearing. A lot of intentionality. You were intentional about your own personal growth.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: were digging in, trying to understand it and working with your limitations of you know, feeling like counseling wouldn't have been safe for you. I think now you can look back and realize that it probably would have been, but your fears were understandable with that, but you were getting after it. That's what I hear you saying. You were reading books. You guys were having long conversations. You were getting after your healing process. And I think that that is a part of the journey. I think we've operated mm-hmm. that way as well in having an understanding of that sometimes we have to get after personal growth.
2: Oh. Yep. For
0: the sake of our own mm. emotional, spiritual health, but for the sake of our marriage health as well. Mm-hmm.
3: I think the other way that God worked in the end, inadvertently, was this was about five years ago. We were asked to lead some marriage group at our church. Um, there's some groups in Illinois called Reengage, it's a 16, 17 week program. Really, really good. Phenomenal. And mm. again, our marriage is a good enough place to go for this. We were super excited. But of course, as we get into the study and we start doing the lessons alongside the couples, you know, God's like, and that too. And you Mm -hmm. haven't talked about that yet. And so as leaders, we got to go through the program five, six times and we still Mm. were working on it. But I think that, again, in our place of like, okay, we're pretty good. We're good. We're good with marriage stuff. And we were decent in some areas. But that same time, that first semester, it was like, okay, we got we got some more layers to peel off here. it yeah. was incredibly helpful for our marriage.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that Re-Engage you to do at the beginning individually is to rate rate your marriage on a scale of one to 10. Like, mm-hmm. where are you starting, right? And for us, I think by the end of that first 17 weeks, we're leading people through this study and yet we learn so much and we look back and we're like, we overinflated that number, yeah. you know, <laughs> compared to where it should have been. Like, um, oh,
3: yeah, we right. were solid nines. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I'm like, uh... no. Yeah.
1: We, we had a lot to learn, but yeah, uh, God was was faithful through that process
3: so i think yeah. that process alone is and i guess so it's this much the process of sharing what you're struggling with with other people community is healing yes. so if we shared parts of our story in our group as we heard other people's stories and say yes. we weren't alone and then they heard us share we started being more vulnerable in a way that joe had never been vulnerable before like i mm-hmm. had never heard him speak poorly of our marriage which is fantastic but at the same time, well,
1: not poorly, not publicly in a, in a nonchalant way, like it's hard, right. But talking mm-hmm. in a, in a group setting where you're supposed to, but I think I had to pick Tara off the floor that first because time, again,
3: he was just almost like that whole, of keep it all shiny on the outside. And for us right. to find a space to say, Hey, we're going to share some more personal, you know, personal things in these groups. It was very healing for us as well. Yeah. As we yeah. Shared community. yeah. So I yeah. Definitely promote community. Uh, I love that.
2: Yeah. I find that uh, the more that Jill and I invest in marriages, the stronger it makes us. It's just really pretty fascinating, but it's uh, us just continually being reminded of it takes work and you need to stay after it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So eventually you guys uh, launched your own podcast. It's a marriage podcast podcast. Uh, called behind our smiles, which I love that title. Yeah, because you're talking about what you know. A lot of times, I mean, that really works with my heart. You know, my heart is to help people to stop comparing their insides to other people's outsides, and so really, that's what you're doing, even with that title, mm-hmm. behind our smiles. Uh, so, uh, what caused you to launch that podcast and and really your you know, kind of formalize your heart for marriage?
3: Well, we're, again, the reengage group was kind of the beginning of that. As we started sharing our story group and learning and deep digging into that, At the same time we kind of had a heart for sharing more. And I started a blog. So I found, we got mm-hmm. our name we figured out, we found a domain with behind our smiles.com. And we, I just started writing more, which is a new thing. I always been a writer, but I started sharing more than I normally would share publicly. So if we did that, Joe already had an afternoon show, um, every day. And so in 2018, he brought me on Fridays mm-hmm. and we did a little tiny clip
1: behind our smile segment
3: of a salt topic for the week. And I went on just for a couple minutes and it was a new adventure for us just to kind of mm-hmm. work together in that setting. Um, and that took us for a little while.
1: Right. And then what we would talk about on air is what she blogged mm-hmm. about that week. And so we would talk about the blog. What are we going to blog about? What are we going to talk about? And I think mm-hmm. going back to behind our smiles, we had couples, especially after we started the re-engage ministry asking us, and we began to realize that number one, a lot of it was beyond our pay grade. Like you do need sometimes mm-hmm. just need counseling, yep. um, and, but one of the things people would always say is you, you, I want a marriage like yours. Cause you have it all together. You're always smiling. You're always. And what we began to realize is even with reengage, that people don't realize we all struggle. Yes. then they give up on their marriage too soon. And we started to see that. And so we were like, we don't want to be a part of that. So we wanted to say, hey, let's give you a look behind our smiles. We do smile a lot. God's been very good to us and we do find joy. But what we wanted to do in a nutshell is normalize struggle, maximize hope so that we, you can say, Hey, just because I'm sitting next to someone in church who's smiling on Sunday morning, doesn't mean the ride in wasn't completely catastrophic, <laughs> right? Right. That just because you're having a rough morning doesn't mean they're not. And so when we began to, and that's what Tara would blog about. And those are the things that we would talk And again,
3: about. that alone was kind of healing as well. We started kind of tearing apart those things we were learning and digging together, and then learned to work together. And he had trained me how to go on the radio because I was a complete newbie. And Mm. we just sort of said, okay, God, here we go. We'll give you four minutes. And then his job situation changed. He was no longer at the station on that air shift. And in the last year, we said, I think it's time to do this more officially. And it's nice because we have all this background, not background, but a lot of work. Yeah, after
1: 25 years of doing non-air work, um, I, I'm now in a role as station manager where I don't need to to be on the air, and so we felt like God was. It was a natural graduation. If you are a natural transition into something different, and Tara had been wanting mm. to do a podcast yeah. for a long time, but I just couldn't. Number one, when you're doing a radio show, you're pouring mm-hmm. into people all week, and so the last thing in the world I wanted to do is get behind a microphone again, right? <laughs> right. right. And so I kind of dragged my feet on that. Plus, I just didn't feel the timing was right. I felt like God still wanted to do some things in our marriage first. Um, and so once this transition happened and I had been here a year and kind of felt like, okay, now's, now's the time is right. We kind of really prayed about it and God just kind of opened the doors for the podcast to
0: happen. But I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, before we bring this to a close, we have a fun question because it always inspires us. When we ask people Mm -hmm. this question, it always inspires us. But what is your favorite date night activity? What's your favorite
1: you date? go first. I, I, number one, just being alone with Tara is fantastic. I love, I mean, having a place to eat where we can, and uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, we like a, a nice sit down restaurant, but a place where we can sit and just really talk and allow the conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we've learned through the years Is the important topics don't come in the first two minutes of a conversation that you really Mm. need some time for that to breathe. So I really like that. I love and then to if we can go for a walk or just kind of be outside and just almost like the clock doesn't exist. um, There's nothing pulling at us. We just have all the time in the world, or at least that's the feeling. That's that's probably my absolute favorite uh, time to be Mm. with her. And that's for me would probably be a, a perfect date would be hmm. to, um, yeah, just go out to dinner and then just have some time where, you, you know, you're not worried about the kids or anything like that. We're just yeah. spending it
2: right.
3: together. Yeah, I we always that. kind of kept it simple. So mine is not a whole entire date night, but it's part of the date night. And we like to do slow dancing. Oh. So especially if it's summertime and we're outside under the lights, we put on some of our love songs that we listened to when we were teenagers and even songs over the years. And Our like neighbors probably you so know, people might, uh, like, yeah, yeah, people walking by might go, are There are people slow dancing in their backyard, but mm. it's just it really connects us in a way and kind of especially if you get some nostalgic music, it mm. really is a fun way to connect well
1: there was a time when i would have given anything to slow <laughs> dance with her right <laughs> so i right. like to go back to those moments and go man god you answered that prayer so you've given me the opportunity to slow dance with her for the and rest he, of my and life he programmed music
3: that. for a living so i'm like right. okay make me a playlist of our favorite love songs and let's slow dance i uh, love that i don't, don't think cool. anybody has
0: ever no ever shared that date idea it's Chee- right. all you need is right a speaker is. and some lights yeah Oh, I love that. That's cool. Ah, that's so cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, this has been such a good conversation. And, you know, we know that there's a lot of couples out there where there's one or both have come from traumatic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, I think your story does give that hope and it gives help to know the importance of doing that personal work. So thank you for taking the time to share it. Thank you. This has been great. Thank you would you be willing to close us in prayer joe yeah
1: and mm-hmm. i i really do believe that we we don't get to adulthood without some scrapes along the way so mm-hmm. we're all dealing with something and yep. we all have stuff that we're bringing in and so yeah thank you again this this was an mm-hmm. absolute honor but father i just thank you so much for the work that you're mm-hmm. doing through Mark and Jill and their ministry Mm -hmm. and um, the lives that are being impacted, the lives that will be impacted as a result. And God, there may be someone listening right now that is at a whatever stage of the conversation we were discussing and, and just leaning on you. I ask that you meet them right where they are. Remind them that you're big enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Remind them
1: that any problem yeah. they're carrying, no matter how light or heavy, that you are bigger than that problem, that they don't have to be concerned with the next 10 steps or what's going to happen next year or next month. Just the very next step, give them wisdom and favor as they take that step with you. And if they don't know you yet, if they've not made that decision, God, I ask that 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 today be the day that they make that decision because that decision Will will lead to many other things that you want to execute in their healing process. Yeah. So God, we surrender all of this to you. We love you so much and we give you this day in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week, where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.